You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We had a, um, a funeral this week, and the guy who passed away, um, his name was Liesl Brown. And so, um, you know, he has four adult children, and they all four attend with their families our church. And he has grandchildren, and they all attend our church. And he has great-grandchildren, and they all attend our church. And so, you know, you just can't hardly say enough good about this guy. And so, when the service is finally over, I'm walking out of this room, the sanctuary, with Dr. Lauren Gresham. And so Dr. Gresham says to me, I knew Liesl really well. And, and Liesl died when he was almost 88. And he says, I agree with everything that you guys said about him. I mean, it was all good, it was all right, it was all true. And he was all of those things, except he was just better than all of that. I mean, he was just better than you could say. So I'm smart enough to know that one, one day I'll, I'll leave this world. I'm not going to live forever. When I come to the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and say, you know what? By God's grace, I lived life well. In fact, I'm going to venture to say that most everybody, if not everybody in the room, would say, yeah, I want to say that. I mean, I, I really can't imagine somebody saying, you know what? <laughs> I have no problem coming to the end of my life and just saying, yeah, I botched it up really bad, okay? Or I have no problem coming to the end of my life and saying, yeah, I really didn't live life very well. I was given this beautiful gift of life and I kind of made a mess of it. No, I, I think most people would say, no, when, when I come to the end, I want to be able to say I lived life well. It's, it's that old saying that when you came into this world, you were crying and everybody else was smiling. And you want to leave your, live your life rather in such a way that when you leave this world, you'll leave smiling and everybody else will be crying. I, I want to live well. And, and so Jesus says, okay, you want to talk about living life well? Is that what you want to talk about today? I'll talk to you, Jesus says, about living life well. In fact, I'll give you the code. <laughs> I will give you the key to the puzzle. I will give you the secret. I will tell you how it's done. You won't have to, you know, try to search and find it. You won't have to try to do your research and dig around. I'll just tell you, this is how you live life really well. Okay, Jesus. We're all ears. How does one live life? How do you go about doing a sort of thing? And how do you, how do you know that you're, that you're living your life right? How do you know that you're living your life correctly? And here's what Jesus says. If you listen to my words and you put them into practice, you'll live life well. So if you will listen to what I say, my teaching, my instruction, and if you will obey my teaching, you'll live a good life. So let me take you to those words in Matthew, okay, chapter, chapter 7, and I'm going to start reading with verse 24. T today, I'm starting a series 
and we're calling it A Life Well Lived. And what I'm really doing over these next several weeks is preaching from the Sermon on the Mount, okay? There's a book that I've been encouraging people to pick up, and some Sunday school classes are going through this with me, and some small groups are doing this when they meet together in their homes, and some individuals are just buying the book. It's called A Good and Beautiful Life by James Bryan Smith. And so every week that I preach through this series, I will preach from the passage that correlates with each chapter of the book. So the passage that I'm preaching today correlates with the first chapter. Next Sunday, it'll be the second chapter. So you can follow along either as a class or a small group or individually, okay? But it's a great book. It's well worth your money, and and I suggest you consider picking it up and buying it, okay? So what I'm going to do is start at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. I know that sounds odd, but when I read the words, I think you'll understand why I'm starting with the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. So, what's been going on? Well, Jesus has been preaching, okay? Chapter 5 of Matthew, all of chapter 6 of Matthew, all of chapter 7. If you look in your Bible, they're all red letters. And so, this is called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Sermon. And when He gets to the very end in chapter 7, verse 24, here's what He says, okay? Therefore, everyone. Well, who's everyone? Well, we know that his disciples, we know they were there because verse 1 says his disciples came and he began to teach them. And, and we know that there's a large crowd because the last verse says the crowd was amazed. And so Jesus begins to teach his disciples, and obviously there's large crowds that gather. And in that group, there's got to be like religious leaders. And in that group, there's got to be some real sinful people. So everyone, therefore everyone, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down. The storms rose, the winds blew, and beat against the house. But it did not fall, because it had a foundation on the rock. But, everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man, who built his house on the sand. And so the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So that's God's Word for us today. So I grew up going to this small church, and I had a Sunday school teacher, and her name was, her name was Betsy Taylor. And so when I was this young boy, this little boy in Sunday school, Betsy Taylor taught us this song. The wise man built his... So you went to Sunday school too when you were little. So the rains came down and the floods came up, but the house on the rock stood firm, right? But then it says the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went splat. Yeah. So I think it's a I think it's an illustration that all of us can understand. So my dad my dad was a builder, he built houses. My my brother's a builder, he builds houses. 
And so I remember as a young boy being out with my dad and we were digging footings with a backhoe and pouring concrete into those because you want to build the building on a firm foundation, right? You've got to get the foundation right before you start building a building. And so if you look over there at the Floyd Center, there was a building between two buildings and we tore that building away because there really wasn't much to build to. And so now they're putting in a foundation for a new building, but because the soil wasn't what it should be, they're having to go to a lot of extra work because we understand that if we're going to build a building over there, you've got to get a really good foundation. You don't want to start a building if you don't have a great foundation, something really solid to put a building on. And so Jesus says, yeah. That's what life is like. You've got to build your life on the right kind of foundation. Something that's solid. Something that's going to stand the storms because the storms are going to come in life, right? And so I think there's just one question today. And the question is, so what are you building your life on? What are you basing your whole life on? What principles, what beliefs, what ideas, what are you building your entire life on? And what if you're wrong? And what if you're right? And so, you know, I've been thinking about this. And I've just been trying to get my mind wrapped around this. And and I thought I would ask you this morning, do you think it's more about what you do? Or do you think it's more about what you believe and what you know? In other words, what is the relationship between what you believe in your heart to be the truth about a life well lived and how you live your life? Well, it has everything to do with what you believe. Because when you decide this is a life well lived, then you begin to live toward that. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take a few minutes this morning and I want to talk to you about First of all, some of the people in Jesus' day, in fact, some of them that he was talking to, who said, I believe this is a good foundation to build your life on. This is a life well lived. And then I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what the enemy tries to tell us is a good foundation for your life. And sometimes that's what our culture tells us. And then I want to come back and talk more about what Jesus said is a good foundation. So let me, let me start with some of the people in Jesus' day who said, this is a good foundation to build your life on. So here's, here's the deal. Jesus is saying these words. And while he's saying these words near the Sea of Galilee, okay, for, you know, a hundred miles away in Jerusalem, something is going on. You know what's going on in Jerusalem? King Herod. He has men who are rebuilding the temple. And so one day Jesus says to a group of people, that temple they're rebuilding, one of these days it's going to come crashing down. You know why? Because as a nation you have not listened to my message and responded to it. You don't have a solid foundation to build on from here. And there was another occasion where Jesus is with His disciples and He asked them a question. So, who do people say that I am? What are you hearing out there? And so some people said, well, some are saying that you're Elijah. And there are other people saying that you must be John the Baptist. And there's others saying that you're a prophet. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? 
What do you believe about me? And so this disciple named Simon Peter, he pipes up and he says, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe you're the Son of the living God. (laughs) And Jesus says, Peter, on your confession, this is the rock that I'm going to build the community that will follow me on. This is a good foundation. You understand for the Jewish people, the law was so important. And rightfully so. Because the law was given by God, right? And God gave the law to the Israelites for them to follow. And so it's important that they focus on God's commands and His will for their life. The, the, the temptation always is this. It's always this. And it's the same for us. That, that we become so focused on kind of keeping the rules and that we do what we should do and we don't do what we shouldn't do. That that, that becomes kind of it. And if we're not careful, it'll just become only about keeping the rules. And that's moralism. If I can just do the things that I should do and not do the things that I should not do, then God's going to be good with me and I'm going to be with good with God and it's all going to work out great. But sometimes we forget the reasons behind the things that we do. So I remember, I remember one day I went to church and of course I was the pastor and there was this lady who invited a friend who was going through some really hard times in her life. And her friend wasn't professing to be a Christian but her life was really kind of messed up. And so she'd been inviting her and praying she would come. And finally one day she comes to church with her. Before they come in the church, they're out in the parking lot. And they're not by the front door. They've kind of drifted away a bit. And the lady who is the guest is smoking a cigarette before, you know, church starts. And so one of our greeters at the door, if you could call him a greeter, yells, Hey! Put that out! It's a no-smoking property. It's a church. Put that out. We don't do that. We don't smoke. What's kind of ironic about it is that the guy was fairly overweight and he was eating a donut. Don't do that. That's bad for you. We we, we forget the why. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus says. So you've heard it said that you should not commit murder. Well, that's, that's good. You should not commit murder because this is God's law. But I'm telling you, if you are angry in your heart with your brother, you are in danger of being judged. So you can just kind of brag and say, I've never killed anybody, but I've hated that guy all my life. And Jesus says, I'm concerned about your hearts. You can keep the rule and miss the whole intent. So can't you see the spirit of the law? Can't you see what it's all about? Can't you see what's behind it? So Jesus says it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said that you should not commit adultery. Well, you shouldn't commit adultery because that's the law. But I'm telling you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. Yeah, you can say, I've never committed adultery. But if you're looking at pornography, Jesus says, you're doing the same thing in your heart. I'm trying to get to your heart. It's not about keeping rules or manipulating rules and being able to say, I'm okay. 
You can keep the rules and pass by people who are really in need of help and never extend a hand of mercy or love to them. Right? And so if you are basing your life, if you're basing your whole life, if you're building your whole life on the fact that I'm keeping some rules, Jesus said that house is not going to stand. So now let me talk to you about what the enemy often tempts us to build our lives on, okay? And sometimes it's what our culture also tempts us to build our lives on. I got a phone call probably one, two months ago maybe, and, and it was a lady who doesn't attend our church, and she said, honestly, uh, I have a pastor, but I'm too ashamed to talk to him. But my friend says that maybe you would talk to me, and I said, okay, I'd be glad to talk to you. And so when I, when I met with her, um, it was a hard conversation to hear. I'm married, I have kids, uh, we have a good life. But I met this guy. And I don't know, um, I never thought I would do this, but it just, it just looked so appealing. And, and it was like, this is a good life, <laughs> you know, this... This could be really great. I mean, it's full of romance. It's, he's got money. It's, it's exciting. And, and I don't want to die without my life being full, you know? And so I, I went for it. She said, I was stupid. It was bad. It was wrong. I've hurt so many people. I've messed so much up. I don't know if I'll ever repair it all. James Bryan Smith in, in this book says, you know what culture says to us? If you want the good life, if you want to live life well, if you want a full life, our culture says then you need money Sex. Can't beat sex. Power. Now that's the good life. Doesn't get much better than this. You know what else the lie says? Here's the other half of the story. If you follow Jesus... If you go with that gig, you got to give a lot of stuff up. And you're going to miss out. Where did we ever begin to believe the lie that if I'm going to be radical for Jesus and I'm going to give my life to Him and follow Him, then I've got to just sit at home every Friday night by myself while the rest of the world goes to a party somewhere. But where do we get that? We are the people who party. We are the people whose lives are full. It's a lie. I, I, I've tried to say to people all of my life, especially to young people, the only reason, the only reason, the only reason God ever says no is because it's really bad for you. It's going to bring you pain. And the only reason God ever says do it is because it's good. 
What Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is this. He tells you the truth about life. And He says, you know what? Lust is ruining people's lives. Worrying has never helped anybody. It works against you. Forgiveness is the only path to freedom, not revenge. And he's just telling you the truth. And and let me just talk to you from personal experience for a moment, okay? I have never, 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 never in my life, never felt after I had followed Jesus, okay? I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do in this situation, okay? I'm going to go with Jesus on this one, okay? I have never, after I have gone with Jesus on it, have I ever backed up and said, you know what? Wish I hadn't have done that. That was a bad choice. Followed God's will on that one. Won't do that again. Never. But every time, every time, I have listened to the voice of the enemy. And I have chased the carrot that he dangled in front of me. Every time, I have been sorry that I did. So if you're going to base your life chasing that money, sex, and power, you're not going to stand. You know, I know I'm not hip. But Somewhat aware. And when I see Lindsay Lohan, I just feel really sad inside. How many... told you I wasn't hit. How many celebrities do we see get all of this money, which with it comes power, Let the reins go on sex and everything else. And then the next thing, it's a mugshot. And it's an addiction. And it's rehab. And the family is all divided. Jesus says, if you build your life on sand, the wind's going to blow and the water's going to rise and your life is going to fall. So let me now talk to you about Jesus' words of what you build your life on. Somebody handed me a book this week and I started reading it. I'm going to Swaziland in March. And I began to read about the first Nazarene missionary in 1907 to go to Swaziland. His name was Harmon Smelzenbach. And he had this calling on his heart from God. He read a book about David Livingston's life, the great missionary to India, and he said, I felt like God was calling me to dark Africa. And I said, here I am, God, send me. And he said, the burden became so heavy 
He's a young man now, okay, at Pinal College in Pinal, Texas. Burden became so heavy, I just said, I can't eat, I can't sleep, I can't study. I've got to go as soon as I can. And he says to God these words, I will live the rest of my life there. Who thinks like that? And so he goes. And at the steamboat station, that's not really a cruise like we think of a cruise today, by the way. He meets a girl and marries her. And they're missionaries together in Africa. And they rent, buy rather, a wagon, a covered wagon, pulled by donkeys. And they take off for Swaziland over rivers with no bridges. Treacherous, dangerous, sometimes without food for days, looking at each other and finally breaking and crying and holding each other because of the hunger. And they finally make it to Swaziland. Three years, nobody gets saved. And one day a lady shows up and says, Where is he? And Harmon said, Where is who? And she said, Jesus, where is he? Can he really do for me what you say he can do? I want to meet him. First Christian, three years. But today, thousands, thousands of people have come to know Jesus because that guy went. So let me ask you, is that a life well lived? You want to talk about a life well lived? Jesus says, I'll talk to you about a life well lived. Alright? It's anybody, I'll give you the code. I'll give you the secret. I'll give you the key to the puzzle. It's anybody who hears my words and puts them into practice. That's a good life. In fact, it's the best possible life. And then, and then here's the outcome. It's... It weighs everything. Two men, two choices, two foundations, two houses, two outcomes. One stood, one comes crashing down. The choice you make about what you base your life on will determine everything. Still just one question. What are you basing your whole life on? Lane, you come and stand with me again. Would you do that? Chris, can I borrow? May I borrow? I'll borrow Andreas. Thank you. So Laney grew up at this church and attended this youth group and went to all of our children's stuff. And you probably... Sung the song as a kid, the wise man built his house on the rock, right? And you're headed somewhere just in a week or so. Where, where are you going? I'm going to New Zealand. And what are you going to do in New Zealand? I'm going to work with an organization called Youth with a Mission, and I'm going to help train and equip youth to go into the nations to share the gospel. So why, why, why are you going to New Zealand to do this? Because God called me to. Your dad said to me this morning, 
She wouldn't go if she wasn't convinced God wasn't asking her to go. And so you made some real choices about what you're going to base your life on. And most of us are pretty impressed with that because it seems so drastic. But, but you're saying, I'm going to base my whole life on what I believe God wants me to do. I'm going to follow this great example of Jesus in doing that. And so we're really, we're really proud of you. Aren't we proud of Lainey this morning? Aren't we grateful for her? So I want you to, to kneel there, okay? And in a moment, we're going to just invite whoever would like to come around and pray for you because we want to pray for you before we send you off, okay? Thank you so much. So Kyle's going to come, and I want you to stand with me. And we're going to pray for Lainey, and in a moment, whoever wants can come and, and join her here. But, but I also want to say that maybe there's some of you who would say, I, I need to pray for Lainey, but I also want to pray about me and where I am in my walk with God. And I think it's in moments like these that we do some real soul searching about what we're basing our lives on. I don't know who your heroes are. Or when you look out in the future, you think this would be a great life. I think these are the moments when you really think hard about that. And so if you want to come and pray at the altars this morning, you're welcome to do that. And if you're going through a tough time in life and you want to pray about that, you're welcome. There'll be pastor here and a pastor here to pray with you. If you want a pastor to pray with you, they'll do that. So we can just fill the altar this morning talking to God before we leave. So let's sing and then we'll pray together, okay?
Now may the God who is able to do abundantly more than you would ever ask or even begin to imagine keep you and bless you. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.